0: Welcome back to another episode of Howl History. Derek and Chad are here with you once again to finish the Eastern Conference and our competitive analysis series. We're going to be going over the Atlantic Division today. We're going to look at the Knicks, the Nets, the Raptors, the 76ers, and the Boston Celtics. Take a look at what is currently on their roster, who might be leaving their roster, and who might interest the Timberwolves in terms of either a free agent signing or a trade. Chad, it's good to see your face again. How you doing? good how are you doing i'm doing pretty well
1: skype is fun for these (laughs) it's you know with work these days like i feel like i'm just this is the only way i see people it's just like floating heads because it's just zoom and skype like i don't even see my friends now the only way i see my friends is through skype and (laughs) i need to get some better background effects for this if
0: we're going to keep doing this much longer
1: that would be fun i should uh dig into some of those myself do you use do one of those do you use skype for work or do you use a different tool i use zoom okay mostly i mean there's every once in a while i have a client that might you know use microsoft meetings or teams yeah teams yeah i hate that one that's the one um, we use for work so i'm pretty oh, familiar right. with that one yep yeah it's like i don't know it, it might be because it's usually the client running it then if if uh, they're on that but it's there's always some sort of quirk and i can't troubleshoot because it's not i'm i'm not on that end mm-hmm. um so it's always like 15 minutes of wasted time just trying to sort through their <laughs> their
0: tools the, the funny thing is is we don't do it over skype anymore because we're afraid of covid or we don't want to leave the house is because even though we're both technically in the metro area we're an hour and a half away from each that's other that's true yeah.
1: yeah we're in the opposite ends of the metro area so
0: it'd be it'd be tricky to uh, drive over to to your house to pop a microphone down and record these every twice a week so it would be yeah all right so
1: let's say, for a special occasion maybe we'll have to do one
0: we, we should we should do a uh a draft night or something like that watch the watch the draft record our, our thoughts as it's happening
1: yeah what we, that's what we should have been doing in the days when we had like good draft picks not
0: right
1: like... <laughs> <laughs> not in the 19th pick like it's gonna be like anticlimactic because i won't know if it's a good pick or a bad yeah. pick until the season starts i've never heard of that guy we're like, all right I so saw his name, and he's uh yeah. a bunch of people think he's good, but I've never seen a play. Nah, jokes on you,
0: Chad. I'm going to make you a uh, deep dive into all of
1: these prospects over the next few episodes. Well, I like I like digging into those. Like, but I it's a, I always end up falling in love with a couple guys that the team never ends up yeah. even picking. The one year that the guys I loved, so yeah, Okogie and Base. I mean, I love both Okogie and Keita Base. Yeah, so I, I had them on my list, which was, you know, like you and I have done that together, just. The two of us were fun, mm-hmm. of picking guys like sleeper picks and whatever guys we like. I had them both as my sleeper picks, I, and I had like maybe four or five guys on my list, but those two were on there, and they were probably my number one and number two guys I wanted for the Wolves. And and it wasn't based off any sort of brilliant scouting or tape that I watched. It was mostly off of like reading what other people thought of them. And yeah, I absolutely. Really, really like these two guys. And then when the Wolves picked, I'm like, oh, my God, this never happens. <laughs> where they pick, God, like one guy that I really want. I mean, the last time they did it was Rubio. I was like a Rubio Bobo when he was like. I mean,
0: yeah, we everybody yeah. wanted Rubio. There was no chance we were going to get him. Khan pulled off the trade for number five. And then for a good 24 hours, there were just fingers crossed that he – that because you, that's where he was projected. You thought he'd fall to that point. But yep, you just yep.
1: got to get Rubio. Yep. So yep. that was one where like where I was super pumped. I mean, but there was like – the year we got love, I wanted O.J. Mayo in the worst yeah. way. Oh, my yep. God, yeah. And so there's so many things like that where good or bad. Like there's times where I, the guy I wanted would have been better than the guy that the Wolves t- took. And um, But those were two guys. And, and those guys, I think Okoge's been, you know, I don't, I'd don't. have to go back and look at that draft to see who was drafted after those guys. Um, at their respective picks to see mm-hmm. if, like how good or bad those picks were. But I, I enjoyed both of them as players. And I thought both of them were steals. At the time, and you know, neither of them became world beaters, but you know, good solid players. They're gonna have long careers, I think, in the league. It's just rotational guys. And um, anyway, so that part of the the draft, I still enjoy. It's just trying to find a guy that I can like hang my hat on, argue with everybody why they're they're so good, even though they're not getting minutes, and then you know, never see them actually play yeah. a meaningful role. But so that's that's always fun. We'll we'll definitely have to do that.
0: We will. We're going to deep dive. We'll take a look at some guys. I mean, and by deep dive, I mean we're going to read somebody else's scouting reports, watch right. a few YouTube clips. Make we're our... going to do this from the point of view of a fan. We're not, <laughs> like, signing up for Synergy here and
1: paying the buck the big bucks. Do your power ranking. I mean, I will watch some YouTube clips, but, again, they're mostly highlight yeah. reels and stuff. If In, like, Rubio's case back then, he was playing international play around that time, so I was actually able to watch mm-hmm. some of his games. The, yep. Yeah, I think after the draft was an Olympic Yep. Games. So I was able to watch his Olympic games, but we had already known he was gonna be on the Wolves. But I was a Rubio fan from he was in a Slam magazine where um what's his name? That Milwaukee point guard that was Brandon, Brandon Jennings. Jennings. Yeah. Yeah. He Brandy. was on the cover. Yeah. And, he hated Rubio, didn't he? Um I, I I don't know if he did at the time. I think there was like he was annoyed that he you know, Rubio was the higher prospect. But at the at this time, this was like when he was like sixteen years old or something. Sure. Brandon James, he was uh, in the Slam. He might maybe it was on the cover, but he's in Slam magazine. It was a whole article about the that class, and Rubio was one of the guys listed as one of the point guards. And I was reading about him, like, oh man, and at the time I think Rubio was 15, and I was like, I, this is the guy I want. You know, like their descriptions were what everybody described as Pistol Pete Maravich, all that kind of stuff. And so then I started like watching YouTube clips of his games, um, even as a kid, and so. Um, that one was a little bit different where I was actually like, felt like I'd already watched a whole career of him before he ever got into the draft. But mm-hmm. all these other guys, like, I watched so little college basketball just because it's too much to keep track of. Yeah. I mean, there were
0: years where I used to watch more, and it seems like some of the guys that I did want that they ended up taking ended up not being anything. Like, I really wanted, I was excited about Rashad McCants. I was a Court Carolina fan. They just won the championship. And, he wasn't the top Carolina player even taken, but when they, you know, when the pick rolled through, I was like, "Yeah, Rashad McCants, I'm all for that, getting him in the middle uh, of the first round." I was so against that pick. <laughs> I did not want him to do McCants, but um, no, I mean, I, we've gone over some of my some of my bad draft takes. You know, in '95, I wanted Ed O'Bannon because UCLA had just won the title. I wanted Ed O'Bannon too. Yeah, like, uh, you know, it, I also wanted OJ Mayo. It. You know, I think I. I tweeted about the email I sent to the Timberwolves saying I was never coming back to another Timberwolves game, and you know until they righted this wrong. And then a uh, Jeff Monikey from the the Timberwolves actually replied to me. and said, "I think I still have that email." And I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> so he saves the receipts. Apparently,
1: yeah, He should be calling you out on that. I know. I I was uh I was mad they traded mail. I think we were texting each other like that sure trade were, yeah. late late at night. Yeah. I remember I was in bed. and I hear my phone ding, and so I, like, I went to check. <laughs> Um, But we, uh, what I was, I was like, I wasn't like as the sky is falling as you, even though I really wanted male Mm -hmm. and not because I was even necessarily a super believer of Kevin Love. I did like him coming to that draft. I actually really liked Brooke Lopez in that draft too, by the way. But I was more intrigued by the fact that we were also getting on Mike Miller because I was like, he's a good, solid role player for this team. A three point shooter, something we needed. Um, and at the time, I didn't know that Kevin Love was going to turn into the shooter he was. That, nobody knew. Kevin yeah. Love didn't know that. Yeah, that's true. And so um, that ended up, you know, obviously that trade worked out. I mean, like Kevin Love was a far, far superior player than O.J. Mayo ever was. But you know, Mayo was going to be—he was going to be the ant back then. He was.
0: So I mean, it was a big deal. But yeah, we've had some good takes. We've had some bad takes. But this is a this is a fan podcast, and we're gonna approach it like a fan and. Hopefully it gets us the opportunity to at least be as invested as we were when we were in our 20s, and uh, now that we have a podcast running, we'll see if we can do that. So, like I said, we're doing the Atlantic Division today. We're going to start with the New York Knicks. They're obviously last place in that division. Uh, they have some holes. They have some decent players, but it's uh, it's looking pretty dire out there in New York for our good friend Tom Thibodeau. Let's see. They have Emmanuel quickly at point guard. Whether or not Tibbs likes him enough for him to be a long-term point guard, nobody knows. They still have Fournier, who they got from Boston last year. They have Derek Rose, even though he finished the year on the injured list. Alec Burks is still there. R.J. Barrett, they're hoping, becomes the next big thing. I am skeptical. Uh, Cam Reddish just came over from Atlanta in the Kevin Knox trade, so we'll see if they extend him at all. Julius Randle had a down year after his all-star year two years ago. Obi Toppin was a lottery pick, just a little while ago. He's sitting behind Randall on the power forward depth shot. And then, like you said, they have Nerland's Noel uh, starting at center, and then Taj Gibson still hanging out with uh, the young prospect Jericho Sims right behind him. So it's uh, lots of names that people recognize. It's especially after their big run two years ago to make it into the playoffs and lose to Atlanta in the first round. But uh, not a lot of cohesion, not a lot of prospects or potential there in terms of actually seeing how they're going to get better year over year. So uh, Chad, what stands out to you in that roster?
1: Well, a Noel well is like the guy I would like most for for the Wolves. At yep. least that's you know realistic. I mean, I think obviously if they said, "Hey, we'll give you Julius Randall for Beasley and change," I'd, I'd probably be all over that too. But I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mitchell Robinson is another guy that I I always kind of liked, um, but isn't he a free agent? He's this a free period? agent this off season, Yep. Yeah, so depending on what they do there, um, and we wouldn't be a player for them on the open market. We would have to be some sort of sign and trade. Um, but I, you know, it's weird with with New York. I think they have a lot of interesting, good young pieces. I don't think we've necessarily seen the best of them because of Tibbs running the ship there. He doesn't tend to use young guys very well. Um, and he definitely so, doesn't
0: change what he does to best suit the young guys. Right. He, he might use he, even he might play them. him a lot of minutes, but yeah. not necessarily in a way that suits them.
1: And play him a lot of minutes in a way that it's like, hey, you're just you're just here to bring the ball up and get it to Taj and Derek Rose, yeah. <laughs> you know, like kind of thing. Um, you know, I think some guys like Emmanuel quickly. He had to use you know mm-hmm. due to injuries, and he had to use them in a role that maybe accentuated what quickly does well. I like quickly a lot as a player. Again, not a need here unless you're you know, moving DLO and in, in a package that maybe it's, if making up a trade, if you were to trade DLO and to get, you know, Julius Randall's the main piece coming back and in the package, you get quickly too. I don't know why New York would do that, but um, depending on what else you're giving up, that would be interesting because then you have a, you know, a sort of a, a little more of a traditional guard at point guard there, even though he, you know, he's a combo guard, but I mean, he's a point guard size, right? Yeah. Um, And that works with a guy that's going to have the ball in his hands a lot with Ant next to him. Um, Other than that, you know, I don't see, like, I like R.J. Barrett a lot. I don't, we don't have a need for him. Um, Cam Reddish, I like a lot. Don't have really a need for him here unless, you know, we were to really change some of our core pieces. So they're just not, I don't know. I mean, what what are your thoughts on Obi Toppin? Like, I like
0: Toppin. I don't. I guess I wouldn't see why New York would trade Toppin rather than trying to trade Randall first. Not necessarily knowing well, what the think, market is for Randall, but... Uh, I think
1: if Tibbs is running it, you're, you're doing it because I don't think Tibbs is a a big believer in Toppin. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I haven't watched a ton of Knicks games, but it wasn't like I saw Toppin playing a ton of games this no, year. No, he hasn't. A ton of minutes. I mean, and you know that tells me. I mean, he's he's kind of a finished product because he's was an older rookie coming in. Um, so I think so the people who are huge Obi Toppin fans as a rookie were thinking he was going to be a star. Yeah, I think everybody realizes now that's not who he is. But I think he's a serviceable player, like a you know a starter on some teams. A I think it could be a Brandon Clark. Could be, yeah, you know, and so I like him. I just kind of to your point, I don't know if they're ready to give up on him. I I think Tibbs would trade him in a yeah. heartbeat. Yeah, I don't know that uh, they'll let him trade him until they you know see something, see some sort of progress moving forward with this team before they they're ready to give up on a a young piece that one of their pieces that actually will have value for someone. Yeah, you know, I Tibbs always feels like
0: he's going to want his kind of guard so if he could move top in for that guard you know whether or not he can rely on derrick rose or he needs a different point guard because he doesn't trust quickly like i could see a move like that happening um they really need a point guard you know i i know the new york fans really like quickly and what they saw out of him last year i don't know if anybody would head into this offseason thinking he's even a top 20 point guard in the nba so no
1: no no not top 20 but i mean
0: He's probably top twenty-five. Yeah, sure, maybe, but I don't know if that gets somewhere they need to go, especially with the offense that Timberwolves. Of yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I, I, I guess I'm looking at quickly from the Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, we don't need quickly. I'm just saying they would like to improve at that position, right? So they would be willing to move a guy like Toppen to do so. Um, I'd say they need a point guard. They probably need a center. Um, I don't know how much longer you can trust Gibson. They, they have Noel, at least for another year. It seems like Tibbs is up and down on him. He either plays a lot or he doesn't play at all. So uh, those are just kind of those those two spots where it seems like Tibbs never can really find his answer. Uh, so, um, you know, looking at possible trades, you know, you could, we're probably going to hear a lot this offseason, the D'Lo for Randall idea. It's, it's a possibility. He's the type of player that you could probably get with D'Lo and his current value. Um, the problem is it adds three more years to the contract, even if Randall makes slightly less than Delo does each year. He's not going to be the exact type of power forward looking for because he's not necessarily a rim defender or even a, an all NBA type defender in the first place. Um, he is that type of pff, offensive player that can create mismatches that we talked about a little bit in the last episode. Uh, you know, with his size and his ability to handle the ball, he can do things that a lot of guys can't at, the, at that power forward position, but he's very isocentric, which once again isn't necessarily what we need. So if you're if if Connolly comes in and he's under the conclusion that we just need to get rid of Delo, and it doesn't matter if we could have max con- max cap space next year and it's just we need a power forward and we've got enough at the point guard position or we've got another solution there that we could go and get, maybe you start taking a look at Julius Randle. He wouldn't be a bad fit, but He's not going to close up the holes that we have identified as having set the Timberwolves back. Um, So besides that, the only other thing I came up with, and so tell me about what you think about this one, is something like Beasley and Nas for Noel in either Reddish or Toppin. I'd do that. So I think that would make sense for Minnesota. You know, it's just a matter of what Tibbs thinks about, um, about Noel and how much he wants to use him. So, and we're getting the two guys I probably want most on that roster. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I, like you asked about Reddish earlier, uh, I think the the value out of Reddish is he is a bigger wing, which we don't necessarily have a lot of. Um, he's probably, we need another guy who can be kind of locked into that small forward position with Jaden, whether it's as a backup small forward. You know, it's most likely as a backup small forward, but we use a lot of shooting guards at small forward. Um, so it could be nice to have somebody with true small forward size there. Yeah. Um, so if it, like, I would like top in more than Reddish, especially with Reddish being only one year away from restricted free agency. But if they, if they came and they offered Noel and Reddish for Beasley and Nas, I'd
1: probably do that. Yeah, I, I would do that. I mean, the other thing I like about Reddish, and this is a, probably a stupid reason to like it, <laughs> but I don't know if you ever saw the video clip of Ant and a bunch of his high school class. I don't I don't think they're on his team, but they're like, hey, you guys that had to play together. And that somebody asked, and about who the toughest guy he ever covered was. Yeah. And he said, Oh, Cam Reddish, like without hesitation. And they're like, yeah, Then he drop 40 on you? He goes, well, not on me. <laughs> it was on our team. Yeah. i heard of that, but it wasn't just on me. That's but, a very Pat Bev like answer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, those guys are kind of like legends in the, um, you know, in the, from the school ball era that maybe don't pan out because they're in a bad situation. Yeah. And so that's what I where I'm getting at with Cam Reddish. Like I when as coming into the league, I like Reddish a lot. I still think he has the potential to be a really, really good player. I think it's being wasted in New York because he's just he's just got a coach that's not ever gonna really mold a young player. Yeah. He's he's gonna take, you know, ready made products and make them better. I'm not trying to, you know, crap on Tibbs here because I think there is Value that Tibbs brings to a team. He makes a team that's got some good pieces, especially if they have some veteran pieces. He makes them better. Um, he what he doesn't do is he doesn't make a young player become go from good to great. Mm-hmm. Like he's just not that you know um, that kind of guy. So I, I think you know, and and that maybe that's the case for Obi Toppin too. The difference with Obi Toppin is he is older like he's just you know it's like guys he's already 24 guys don't usually get a whole heck of a lot better from the age of 24 like they definitely improve but they don't go from like being a borderline starter six-man player to being a all-star very often no no <laughs> you know yeah I mean you could you could see Obi Toppin stretching
0: into hey I found the perfect fit and now I can be the starting four on this team and right I'm going to be the fifth option on offense and I'll, I'll fill my role, you know, but right. I, there's very a very small chance that he turns into a core piece of a team moving forward. So, right. Right. No, I guess. I mean, like it's probably one of the more realistic options I've come up with in the Eastern conference for something that both teams might be interested in that I'd actually be excited about. Um, D'Lo feels like he belongs in New York for some reason. I don't know why he just seems like that would be a perfect place for him to go where, all of the, the D'Lo stands are going to follow him, and he's going to get the, the hype that he wants, no matter how well or poorly he plays. Um, maybe not wants. Wants isn't the right word. It's not D'Lo asking for this. But um, but there's there are a lot of D'Lo haters. There are a lot of D'Lo stands, and it just feels like New York's the perfect place for that. So um, I wouldn't trade him for Randall, but eh, it could make sense
1: someday. Agreed. Yeah. So,
0: all right, let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets. This is a weird team. It's weird to even... A, figure out what they're going to need because they are so much in flux, 10 times more than the Timberwolves are. Uh, They have obviously Kyrie Irving at point guard for how much longer. Nobody knows. Patty Mills is a player option. Seth Curry came over from the 76ers. Uh, Cam Thomas as a, as a shooting guard, he kind of flashed a few things this year as a scoring option for them. Uh, Joe Harris was injured most of the year. They need him to be healthy again to really provide some shooting options around their, their big, stars. Kevin Durant is still there. You know, news coming out recently that he could be very unhappy with the team if they moved on from Kyrie Irving, so I don't know what that looks like in terms of uh, his long-term approach to being with the Nets. And then Ben Simmons, who at this point could could be their starting point guard, could be their starting center, could start a power forward. I have no idea how they plan to use him, what role he plans to be in. He hasn't played a NBA game in a year and a half, so it's hard to really know uh what ben simmons is or where he'll be moving forward or even what how he should be valued in terms of uh trade ideas or how brooklyn values him as a keeper as a long-term piece if he was just somebody that they were able to get for james harden so they could salvage that value and maybe flip him down the road that yeah, could be an option or that maybe they do see ben simmons as as part of their big three i i don't think anybody knows at this point so it's just it's a weird team i don't know where they go from here but uh, as you take a look at the Brooklyn Nets Chad what are your what are your initial thoughts at least in terms of when it comes to the wolves?
1: If I was to look at the entire league and pick out one guy that I would want to pair with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns mm-hmm. I still think it's Ben Simmons for me yeah And so last year in the summer even when we talked about Ben Simmons, I didn't want to give up Jaden and Delo. Right. For Simmons, if it included a bunch of picks, I was willing to to listen to either Jaden and Dilo or Dilo and Picks, but not both. Now I actually think Dilo for Simmons. I don't think Dilo fits Brooklyn, so you probably have to get a third team in there. But a Dilo for Simmons for player X, I think might work straight up now because Simmons' stock has fallen incredibly even farther than it was last summer which is kind of weird um but to your point he didn't play it all this year and so there's still questions about his desire about his back about all sorts of things i'd still take a chance on that um but i don't know how realistic it is outside of him i think patty mills is still interesting he's older i don't know that we need another guy like patrick beverly you know in that that age range uh, but skill set Patty Mills, like if we... Let's say we traded D'Lo in some other deal outside uh-huh. of a Brooklyn trade and we needed another point guard here, it's a little problematic going with two guys in, in their 30s. Um, but Patty Mills would be interesting, you know?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, Britt wrote his article about the three things he'd like to see for the Wills moving forward. And one of them was just leaning into Ant as a primary creator. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to put the ball in his hands more often, a, a point guard like Patty Mills makes sense.
1: Yeah. And then... Last on that team, probably that I'd have interest in. Uh, I guess uh, two more guys. Nick Claxton has always been a guy I like. Again, mm-hmm. he's not the the bruising sort of rebounder that we like, but he is an athletic rebounder. Yep. There um, rumors they were looking to move him at the deadline too. Yep. So he could be one. And then a guy that I think you and I are going to differ on a lot, but a guy I've always liked is Andre Drummond. Um, sure. His stock has fallen enough where I, you're not going to get him as cheap as Brooklyn got him, but. You know, maybe you can get him in here and, I mean, he's a rim protector and a rebounder, two things we really need. Mm-hmm. Um, would be interesting if he was the third big, I, you know, maybe you're, you're, in order to get him here, you have to get him convinced that he can start alongside Cat, at you know, at center and maybe he's not playing typical starter minutes, maybe he's 28 to 30 minutes or whatever it is, the case may be, and Vandal's still splitting, and still getting the same amount of minutes, just off the bench. Um, But that would be an interesting guy um, just because there's, there's so few guys left in the league that are like an Andre Drummond who are that big. Um, And I don't know how, like, again, we didn't get to see a lot of them this year, you know, because one, you don't get to see a lot of Brooklyn games unless you're watching ESPN and seeking them out. But it's not like we only play them twice. So um, he's, he might, maybe he's not, is doesn't have as much left in the tank as I remember him having but he would be a name that I would on this roster that I'd be interested in
0: yeah I mean I, I you know with with Connelly coming in as, as the pobo I could see I could see a guy like Drummond having interest there you know he went with DeMarcus Cousins to back up um, Jokic you know for the second half of last season he took a flyer on the talent that was there he's a he's a huge guy you know so it's not like he's afraid of of big centers of a big lumbering centers to, you yeah, know, kind he had of drafted Yep, too. Yeah. So he's not afraid, you know, he's not running away from big centers. So I know that Drummond has always had a gigantic discrepancy between his stats and what the kind of the on off numbers or the advanced metrics would say are his, has, has been his, his contribution to the team. Um, I think some of that's a little unfair to him because Bad teams. Well, they've been bad teams, but at the same time, it's when you have a guy like Drummond, you're going to very much just play in a way that is traditional to a guy like Drummond, where I, you know, I don't know if you can do much more than be, you know, traditional pick and roll and have him play drop, but it seems like teams can figure that out, especially when Drummond's not well, quite as yeah, quick-footed
1: as you need him to be. But And, and when you don't have anything else on, the, on, your, on that team to defend, and Drummond's the main guy. like a bulk of his career when he's in Detroit, like who else are you going to defend in that team? Mm -hmm. You know? And so to your point, like, yeah, you can scheme for a guy like Drummond and it's really easy to scheme for a guy like Drummond when Drummond's like option one and option one B, (laughs) you know? So So
0: I think he had value both in Philadelphia and Brooklyn this year as a backup center, or even as a starting center in, in Brooklyn. Once he went over there, he can play around, you know, high, high usage guys just as a, a rebounder. And, um, you know, big body in the middle and if that's his role and it's going to be used properly against some teams and he's just not going to play against others I think that can be definitely be a value value piece you know that the question to have or the, the conversation to have with Brooklyn and it might be a very short conversation depending on on your thoughts on it is whether or not you would trade D'Lo for Kyrie I mean I think Kyrie's a better player yeah I don't want that, that headache here. I was going to say, that's, that's the only, that's the reason you'd have the conversation. Yeah, yeah. You know, Kyrie doesn't have the the New York issue. He can play every game in Minnesota, but I, there is just too much that goes along with
1: that. I, I mean, he could have played every game the year before and he didn't. <laughs> like, yeah. honest, hey, he's like, going to leave for some reason or another. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah I just, I, I'm just not a, like, I, I, you know, I think Kyrie's a better player. I also don't know that he's a better fit. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, kind of like we discussed when we talked about Zach Levine in that conversation in the last episode, Kyrie helps you in those last couple minutes of a big game, in the playoff game. So it helps you in the situations Wolves fell apart in in the games against Memphis. The other 40 minutes of those games with Kyrie and, you're, and you have Cat and Ant, and I'm not even going to... like. Kyrie's right in that same class of offensive players, those guys, if not above those guys. But I don't want him getting the lion's share of the, the shots mm-hmm. when you have a 20-year-old, or he'll be 21 next year, you know, phenom, like there, like that you're trying to develop for the future, I mean, when Kyrie's already 30 years old, you know. So that's the other problem with it all. Um, I, I guess it's it's... Tempting to take a flyer on it because you're like, OK, well, now you have a legit top 10 type player that you're pairing with Cat, who's a top 15 type player, yep. in my opinion, and Ant, who is a potential top five player somewhere down the road. But, you know, this year may be a top 20 player. Um, it's interesting, you know, no, you it's, really it's to
0: tempt anybody. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 But I, I worry that you fall into the same trap that Brooklyn fell into mm-hmm. um which is you just bringing in big names not even like forget the Kyrie weirdness just uh, just pairing three guys or let's, let's look at the Lakers the trap the Lakers you just like okay we're just gonna take all these big names from these other teams and we're gonna throw them together and let them figure it out well that that's not how basketball works yeah. you know and um I, that would be the other problem there so I that's a really tough one I don't think it's something that'll come up because to your point about Kevin Durant I don't think Durant's gonna be cool with playing with D'Lo in Brooklyn and and they're gonna do whatever it takes to keep Durant
0: happy yeah it's gonna be a weird one like I could I could talk myself into Durant Simmons and D'Lo I think
1: they'd be fine no I
0: just not not as it like from a evaluation perspective but like if Durant can look around and say I still have Simmons and D'Lo and like, I could see that being more of a reason for him to to stay, you know, with Brooklyn than um, if they were to, like, if, if they decide they have to move off of Kyrie, I think that's the first thing that has to happen. And there have been plenty of conversations around that, you know, especially with the comments that they want guys who are going to be there every day, who are going to be committed to the team, that type of stuff. So if they decide they're moving off of Kyrie, I could see it be much more realistic that they want to keep Simmons and trade Kyrie for somebody... Uh, replicable point guard in that position more so than just getting off of Kyrie or, you know, getting out of the Kyrie business and then still trading Simmons for somebody like D'Lo plus, you know, whatever it happens to be. So,
1: so, so, so say it's like Westbrook from LA Kyrie for Westbrook or Kyrie for D'Lo. Who do you think Durant would rather play when he once upon a time played with Westbrook
0: at that? I, I guess I would predict D'Lo. I don't think that he there's any love lost between him and and Russell Westbrook. I don't think that's something either of them are striving to do again.
1: Um, yeah, to, I don't know. I I part of me thinks that he might want to play with with Westbrook again to kind of kind of like the Shaq and and Penny that mm-hmm. never uh, reunion that never happened. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, I, I don't know the answer. I'm just yeah. That's why I asked. Is like. That's the equivalent of what the deal would probably be. Like, those might be the two options. Yeah. Right. You know, right, right. May, maybe Portland comes in and says, well, we'll give you Damian Lillard. You know, but I don't know why because, you know, Kyrie's not much younger than Lillard. Um, so, like, that doesn't really help them for the future or now. They're still in the same position. So they're going to do whatever they can to build around Lillard. I, so, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think to your earlier point, though, just the three of them, I think Dilo that would be a perfect fit for Mm D'Lo because you have Simmons handling the the defensive duties can be more of the distributor so that, that D'Lo can play more off the ball. Um, You have Durant just like being, having the gravity of pulling all the defenders to him and D'Lo is just open shot. This you know, D'Lo struggle. Let's, let's, if we look back through the whole season, his season was pretty good this year. Yeah. It was the playoffs where he fell apart. And in in the playoffs, it's because he had the best defender guarding him. He's never going to have that play. Well, to be
0: fair, it wasn't just the playoffs. I mean, the last month of the season was pretty bad. The first month of the season was pretty bad. He had a really strong middle, which made his numbers look pretty average. But the the
1: last month, the first month was probably on par with the playoffs. The last month wasn't as bad as the playoffs. Like, Mm -hmm. it was below what you want from D'Lo. It's not, you know, the... I mean... I really, you look at his numbers, I don't have a problem. It's kind of like when we talked about Malcolm Brogdon, which when people talk about him in the trade, Brogdon's not any better than Delo. In Mm -hmm. fact, I think he's worse. But people have this sort of romanticized version of that because they didn't watch him play 82 games. They watched him play four games, five games, whatever it is that people saw him play. And I think that with Delo, like his, the things he didn't do, it's really more that, People can't get over the salary part of it. They're like, "Oh, well, he's a max player. He needs to be Kyrie Irving. He needs to be Damian Lillard. He needs to be one one of these guy, other guys that are getting a similar salary." And that was never going to be who Dilo was. Like, um, so I just I don't think Dilo's season was as bad as I think it was really just the playoffs that are sure. the, the hangover.
0: I so mean, in the month of March, Dilo shot thirty seven percent overall and twenty seven percent from three.
1: Like for the entire month, the shooting's the least thing I care about on there. What's his assist and turnover? Seven point six assists. That's good. Two point two turnovers. Yeah, I take that. Thirteen points and seven assists. That's,
0: that's what we're 7. looking for. Seven point
1: six assists. It's almost eight assists. Yeah, yeah. For this team, I don't want, I don't want D'Lo to be a thirty point per game scorer with Anthony Edwards and Carlton Thomas on the team. I just don't. I, that's why I said I would take. Ben Simmons would be the perfect fit because would you take Ben Simmons is now obviously Simmons again more rebounds and more assists but if he's only averaging 13 and a half points 14 points a game if that shooting that, percentage was at 50% instead of at 36% Yeah, I mean you're so hung up on the percentage I like I'm only hung up on it's at thir- how many shots per a game you know is he taking 12? 12 12 field yeah. goals yeah yeah big deal Beasley takes that in 5 minutes like I'm not it's just not that important to me in the grand scheme of the game. I'm more I'm more concerned with a guy coming in like a Kyrie, like a Westbrook who's gonna insist on twenty five shots at thirty six percent. That's more problematic. Yeah, that that is more
0: problematic. I'm not saying I'd rather have Westbrook. No but if somebody's gonna score thirteen points, I'd rather have him do but it one on shots.
1: That's for one month. He had seventeen points a game for the season, to be fair. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Like so, we're if we're talking about a season stats, I'll
0: take that. Yeah, I'm just saying it wasn't just the playoffs that were a problem for D-Lo I, and this I year. didn't.
1: I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just yeah. saying that wasn't as bad. His last month wasn't as bad as the playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, the playoffs it's magnified because you're like, we need a third person to step up here, and everybody expects it to be D'Lo because of his salary, mm-hmm. and he didn't do it like. Like for example, Beasley's the fourth highest paid player on this team. Yep. Or no, he's third. He's still higher paid. Now. Oh yeah, he's higher paid than that. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Nobody said anything about Beasley's bad games. No. You know, it's just weird to me. It's the same thing that happened in Philly. Nobody talked about Tobias Harris's bad games last year. They only focused on Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons, everybody, because the fans were wrong about the guy, they're gonna crucify him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, the fans projected him to be this like player that he wasn't they projected him to be a 30 point per game guy and i'm talking about simmons yeah and so it deals like everybody well the fans expected dilo to be the you know Steph to towns's kg and he wasn't so they focus on his deficiencies and not beasley's deficiencies who was even worse Sure, you couldn't even play him. You know, in the
0: Philadelphia example, I am more concerned about Tobias Harris's issues than I was about Ben Simmons's because yeah. he's making thirty-seven million dollars a year.
1: Yeah, it's so the same thing. That. It's
0: my same issue I have with Delo. If you're going to be the, at that price
1: range, I can find better uses for that. You got to You got to. You can. You can spot better players at that price tag on another roster. You can't trade that player for a better. I, I can't anymore because Delo was so bad. And you couldn't put Tobias Harris either. Nobody else was gonna even before the playoffs last year. Nobody was gonna like call up Philly, Philly and say, "What can what can we give you to take Tobias Harris?" No, you know? I, but that doesn't mean that I need to be happy with D'Lo. I'm not. I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not saying you have to be happy with Delo. But our our conversation was around the the, the whole how Kyrie and and my point is having another guy that's gonna take twenty five shots on this team. Yeah, to me is worse than a guy that's gonna take twelve and shoot thirty six percent. Because that guy that shoots twenty five, some nights he's gonna be on fire, other nights he's gonna shoot you right out of the game. It's exactly what Ant does. One, one night he's the hero, the next night nobody talks about it because he's twenty years old. We're gonna, you know, nobody's gonna like crucify the kid. Mm-hmm. But there's there, there was more games lost because of Ant's play than there was because of dilo's play. Even if D'Lo was playing worse, more su- sustained games, Ant, like if in those stretches where he just goes one for twelve, that game's over because of that you know we don't have those kind of moments in a deal game like and i don't have all the games like off the top of my head but if we went through all 82 games and looked at like their individual play, i bet we could find more games that anthony edwards cost us than Delo cost us
0: and if that is still happening when ant is on a max contract at 27 years old i will be just as annoyed with ant as i have been with Delo.
1: yeah I, and maybe his his personality and stuff i think will also be, play a big factor in that like rubio you were less and I love Rubio too, but you're not going crit- to be as critical about Ricky Rubio's play because you like he's a likable guy. D-O I, I was last like year.
0: Him. We talked a lot about how we just wanted to pretend it was a completely different player so we could criticize yeah. <laughs> him because it hurt our feelings to criticize who right. the, a- the actual Ricky Rubio.
1: Right, like just he so was. The was completely different. It was. It's a lot easier to say. Like, well, we got to just trade D'Lo. We got to do this with D'Lo. We got Like he's awful, and you you won't say that about Ricky Rubio because you're giving him like the preferential treatment because he's like a fan favorite. That was Richard Rubio. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right.
0: Anyway, we've exhausted too much time on Brooklyn and we're going to probably have the Delo conversation four more times before this off season is done and anything happens or does not happen. So let's move on to Toronto, a team that has a lot of players. I think both of us like, but proves difficult to come up with trade ideas for. So let's see. They have Fred Van Vliet, who I think is a, a fan favorite, uh, especially around here. They have Gary Trent Jr. at shooting guard. They have O.G. Ananobi at small forward. Scotty Barnes, their star rookie from the past season at power forward, and Pascal Siakam most likely starting at center. Um, they are the the odd team, you know, one of the few in the league that just tries to go. We're going to put four or five guys that, have six, nine, that are 6'9 with 7'2 wingspans on the floor at the same time. It doesn't matter if we have a traditional center. It doesn't matter if we have a traditional shooting guard. We're just going to confuse you we're going to switch everything and we're going to make every last minute of this basketball game hard on you because you know they got precious achua coming off the bench they just it's ujiri has a, a type that he goes for and he's kind of cornering the market on it so uh chad they, they need a bench but besides that what else do you see on their roster
1: i mean they have a lot of guys i'd like they don't have a lot of guys that are gettable or and or fit on this team right um you know i Chris Boucher was one of those guys that we've talked about in previous episode as a potential target who I do like, probably better than you. Um, I, you know, I mentioned Siakam. Like, if they're, I don't know what Toronto's gonna do. Like, I could see Toronto going to a full rebuild and going younger since Siakam is already 28. But what do the Wolves have to get him? I, nothing. Um, yeah. They're gonna get better offers for him. So I just. Like Siakam's a really good player, but he's a guy you build around when you have a lot of things coming up. Like I I think Fred Van Vliet's our best player, and I don't know what you do to build around him with the guys they have. I think that's it's a tricky team. He's also a player I'd love to have, but the Wolves don't have anything
0: to offer for him. Right. So it's it's a weird like I I would love Van Vliet, I'd love Gary Trent Jr., I'd love Ananobi. I'd love Scotty Barnes, I'd love Siakam, I'd even love Achua on this roster. I just But unless we're going to give up, like, Acho is probably the most gettable because he's probably not the only one that's not a starter for them. But in order to go for a prospect like that, we're going to have to give up a guy like Jaden to make them even interested in it, which why would we make that swap? That just, I mean, maybe one of them ends up being better than the other long term, but we're going to ride with our guy, even if the Toronto people would ride with their guy. So um, I just, I don't see how the rosters would match up in terms of like, they just don't have that one glaring hole that, you know, if we just had that one player, we could fix it and then get one of their guys. It, they have a starter at each position. And whether or not they want to package a couple guys for a, a superstar or they want to, like you said, go younger, they could do that. But we don't have a superstar to trade. We also don't have a top prospect to move. So,
1: and I mean, and I love I've loved Van Vliet since he was a backup mm-hmm. for Lowry. And I would like him here because I, I like him a lot. Yeah. I don't know that he's that much better than D'Lo either. I'll be honest with you. Like, he's, you know, I don't know. He's less assist as a, as a true point guard. He isn't any, really that much better of a shooter. Like, he, he's just another one of those guys that we romanticize because he had a great playoff run a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And so he seems to come up big in big games. But again, he wasn't the first, second, or third option there at that time. And so it's a different it's a different thing to do that when you are the guy that the other team is focused on. Yeah. Right. Like, and we see it in all these playoffs, we see games when, you know, the way the warriors are defending Luca in the, in the Western conference final or, uh, yeah, Western Conference finals. They're defending Luca differently than Memphis did. And they're putting Wiggins is doing an amazing job on Luca. We have, um, you know, Draymond rotating on something. It's, it's a lot harder on Luca to go bananas. Against the Warriors, than it was against the way the Grizzlies played them. And Grizzlies that, didn't play them. Or yeah, not the Grizzlies. Um, the, the Suns. Suns. Yep. So it's just, I you know, that's kind of why, like you have to be careful on bringing some of these guys over because we would say, oh well, look what he did here. And it's like, yeah, when you did that when you were the third or fourth option, not having the number one defender on you, not having you know the the same sort of attention on you that you had when you were you know. That you will have as as the guy now, and so I think, you know that that's also problematic. Where, um, I would re- if we're gonna make a move for D'Lo, I want it to be more of a traditional point guard like the Lonzo Ball types, because mm-hmm. I I don't I don't think we need another offensive force here. Yeah, and so that would be my issue with Van Vliet is he's he's too similar to D'Lo, frankly, in the, what he gives you. He's not gonna be a ten assist guy. He's not gonna be the you know Anthony Edwards type of guard like he's just kind of in between you know so
0: I think the the main difference that I see between the two and you're right I, I agree that it's not going to be a, a franchise changer going from deal to Fred van vliet um I I do think van vliet has a much higher defensive reputation than Delo does um, and I know he's he's undersized so it's, it's always going to be slightly limited there but he is he is known and he has gotten votes for all defensive teams in the past he's known as a, as a good defender for his position.
1: And And, and I agree with that. My two short rebuttals on it, I'm not making the case that D'Lo is a better defender, Mm -hmm. but I will say DeLo got better marks defensively this year as well on this team. And I haven't seen enough of Van Vliet playing in Toronto now that Kawhi is not there to see what kind of defender he is now when he might have to defend the best guard because Kawhi's not doing it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's a lot easier to guard. Like, let's use the Memphis example again on the flip side for the argument I made about D'Lo. It's a lot easier to guard a Dylan Brooks on defense than it is to guard John Moran, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, who's taking those assignments? And I haven't watched enough of Toronto to know, so I'm not saying he's not better defender than Dilo. I just, again, it's one of those things I think you have to be careful on. And and uh, Conley and and professionals are going to they're going to have all yeah. that homework done. I'm saying we're doing this as a, from the fan perspective. I haven't seen a lot of Toronto games this year, so I don't know the, the weight Van Vliet was playing on their defense now that Kawhi's not on that team. Yeah. Or Lowry, by the way, who was also a good defender mm-hmm. in those in their runs. So
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's another one of those scenarios for me where if it was the only option to make a change to this team moving forward and they couldn't, wait for anything next off season or they like you if you just told me like this is it it's either this or this or we're signing D'Lo to an extension we're moving forward with only this roster moving forward I would I don't know I would
1: probably do it I, I yeah I, I feel like it's a change to make a change I would probably not do it but I would also not give D'Lo the extension at a max yeah I, like mile I think that's the the thing that's missing here I'm not arguing that D'Lo is deserved deserving of the, another Mac deal? I'm yeah. not at all. I would just assume let that expire or trade him at the deadline when he's in expiring when somebody else can use it um, for a guy that you want, than to just take back a guy that's like him but older and smaller and you know. So that yeah, would, and, that's... and that's where
0: I was going to. I, I don't think Toronto would make that trade. I also don't think that it's. I don't think if that eliminates all your other potential options for the next twelve months that I would make that trade either. I would rather have Van Vliet than D'Lo for the long term for the next three, four years. But at the same time, I don't think that that's the choice. I don't think if you don't make this trade that there are no other options out there. So I think it would be better to wait. Um, Like I said, there are other guys on that team I'd love. They're not going to part with Ananobi. Everybody wants an Ananobi. Scotty Barnes just got there.
1: Um, Maybe that is The one interesting thing with Ananobi is that that was the guy Conley was targeting. Yeah, in the draft. he tried to get up for him. Yep. Yeah, and they thought they had him very similar to when uh, Roses traded up to get Garland and they got scooped the pick before. So, yep. who knows? You know, Maybe he comes in and it's like, okay, that's the target. That's the guy I'm going hardcore after. Maybe he gives up more than we're comfortable with to get him. Um, I would be upset if they gave up Jaden to get him. but. I could yeah, see- that's
0: that's not the goal at that point. The goal is Jaden and Ananobi.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. but I could see Conley coming in and not Conley's. You know, yeah, he doesn't have any an- relationship with these guys. Yeah, he yeah. might not be enamored with Jaden as as we are. Although I, I he's got
0: Chris like, Finch there be. though, so he's going to hear a lot right. about it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like I said, Barnes isn't going anywhere. We've talked about Siakam. That would be a tricky proposition to come up with anything that makes sense there because we're not trading cat for him. We're not trading ant for him and D'Lo and Fritziakim doesn't make any sense for either team. So, um, so we're going to move on. I, I, I would love to spend more time on that, but it's not going to be a two team trade. Uh, 76ers, ugh, another team that is in flux, but who knows what you would do, what, what they're going to do, what you would do in, in communications with them. Maury's I'm sure they've talked with each other plenty over the past 12 months and all the conversations about the Ben Simmons deal. So Philadelphia knows what Minnesota, at least before Connolly got here, was willing to trade. Minnesota knew what Philly was willing to trade, and they know the value they have on these players. But uh, nothing's happened yet, and uh, that's a weird team, man.
1: And there's new rumors about Matisse maybe being available. Yeah. Uh, Again, he's one of – I keep saying it about – like. He's the type of guy that I wouldn't mind having if other moves happen first. Um, yeah, I wouldn't I commit to him any more than Philadelphia has, though.
0: I wouldn't say you're going to come in as our starting small forward because he's still like he hasn't shown that if the right player steps in in front of him, he's not going to become an Akogi.
1: But I don't know that he's also demanding that. I'm just saying that like, as a role like, you know, last or two episodes ago when I was talking about uh, when we were talking about Conley. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I liked about Conley is he he has a knack of finding these guys that are underutilized. Yeah, um, like a Bones Island it, when he, Bones was looked at as just a scorer, and he drafted him and he became like a pretty well-rounded point guard um, as a rookie. Maybe that maybe that's uh, Matisse situation too. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. It's like I, I like doesn't fit this team now, but I could see being a guy that maybe Conley is like. Well, I see there's talent there. I'm gonna figure out how to use them, you know. Yeah, because um, there's possibility. The rest of the guys, that, yeah. The rest of the guys on the team. I mean, Maxie would be great, but he's not gonna nope, get up. Not going anywhere. Um, and you know the rest. Of, there's nobody else on the team I even want other. You know, bead, but he ain't going anywhere. Right. Um, James Harden, I don't want any part of. Um, I mean, just like just like Julius
0: Randall, there's gonna be the D'Lo for Harris. People who bang on the table for D'Lo for Harris, but
1: I don't know anybody. Even the worst delo haters i
0: can't imagine
1: any, any yeah, of the haters gonna want harris
0: it's going to present similar challenges to your roster as as julius randall would he's going to be older he's going to cost even more his contract isn't as long it's only one more year than delo's but still like eats into your cap flexibility next offseason by the time he expires and anton and, and carl are increasing so it just and like, he's nowhere good as randall I don't think uh i well, I've I've never been a Randall fan, so I might have, have tainted lenses on this one. I'm not even a big
1: Randall fan. That's how low I am on the It's I just yeah, I, I I just don't think there's anything Harris does that's that special. I I think he's a you know I think he's a borderline starter. <laughs> that's what I think. I think he's Obi Toppin. If you're asking me who I'd rather have now obviously Obi Toppin's got the benefit of being five years younger, I'd rather have Obi Toppin. I really would. I just am not at thirty eight million? No, I mean I'm just talking players. I, the salaries mean nothing to me because I know just, the salaries. No, of course, the, like the salaries have to mean something though. But like you're not going to get them without giving up the similar salaries. Yeah, right. So it's to me that's why the salaries don't matter. If you tell me, would I rather have I? I think Bias anybody Harris in the world or...
0: would rather have Obi Toppin on his current contract versus uh, right, Tobias but, but, Harris on his current players. contract.
1: That's what I'm saying. I'd rather have D'Lo than. Tobias Harris every day yeah. of the week. Like, i i wouldn't take I wouldn't trade Deal for three Tobias Harris's at the same price. Like, I just there's just no value. That's the point. I mean, on the salaries, is like you're not getting, you're you're not paying the 35 million dollars to Tobias Harris without sending out 35 million dollars too. Yeah, no, I get that. So it's like that's why it's moot to me because the same thing with Obi Toppin. Like, if you're if, if you're getting Obi Toppin for Tobias Harris. You're still sending out thirty-five million dollars worth of salary to get them, you know. So that's why it doesn't matter to me. I don't. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. If, like if I'm running the team, obviously the salaries matter. But in terms of what they're giving, I have to give up that much salary to get that player back mm-hmm. anyway. So at some point, the salary sort of moot. You're just like you just got to look at it from a basketball point of view first, because otherwise you're not making the trade anyway. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, from a roster construction, the only point I'm making is that.
0: I would, Yeah, I would obviously rather keep D'Lo and trade what it takes to get Obi Toppin than trade D'Lo for Tobias Harris. I agree with you there. If I have to trade D'Lo for one of the
1: two of them... Yeah, and, and when I when I brought up Obi Toppin, I wasn't bringing it up from the salary or that trade. Yeah. You were saying we, about whether or not Tobias Harris was as good or not as Julius Randle. Yeah. And I was making the point that Obi Toppin to me is a, not as good a player as Julius Randle. But I would rather have him even... Than, Tobias Harris. Yeah. That's the. I don't mean it as a trade because I know that. It, yeah. That reason. So I, but like I think it just goes back to the people
0: who are saying trade Delo Harris is going to be Harris and Julius Randall are going to be the options that you're looking at if you're looking for a one for one trade. So it makes trading D'Lo very it, as we've discussed many many times. Like there's just no simple solution for trading D'Lo. No matter how many times we bring up
1: his name in these conversations, these are and the guys it, you're looking at. Exactly. And that that's where I'm coming from on the deal It's not that I'm like clamoring to keep Delo. It's yeah. I'm clamoring to keep Delo over any of this other trash. I just don't want like none of those guys are as good as Delo. They just no. aren't as good. Like I, I don't think Randall's as good as Delo and I don't think Tobias Harris is close to being as good as Delo. I like I, I think Philly would trade Tobias Harris for Delo tomorrow if they could. You know, especially because they realize realized Harden's going to be a mess. Mhm. Um, I mean, they have a ton of guards, so they would need some balancing to do. But you're going to get a lot better power forward for Therese Maxey than you are for Tobias Harris.
0: Now, let me ask you this. this is it just a purely hypothetical. But if you could, if either Harris or Randall were on a one-year deal, so it wasn't going to eat into your cap space next year, and it was really just on a one-year try it out, figure out how that fits, putting more of the investment into the power forward position and the point guard position, and then you could go out and get a point guard elsewhere would you consider either of those deals for d if they were just on a one-year deal instead of eating into cap space long-term?
1: I would have to know who our point guard is that I'm getting. Yeah. Because if, if, if it's... I'd rather have d than those two guys. Like If, if their salaries, if like d contract, and yeah. all their contracts are exactly the same and at the exact same time, I'd rather have d than either of those two guys. If if the question is Julius Randle and... Um, who we talked about on the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Patty Mills. Yeah, or D'Lo, and who's a power Nick, forward that? I mean, let's say I know you liked Claxton, but yeah, that's a little unfair. <laughs> it's got to be good. <laughs> yeah, because right, so I'm going to pick that one. But if it's if it was, um, who, like God, who'd be a good power forward equivalent? I don't know. Like uh, the next Juancho Hernan Gomez, I'd rather have Patty Mills and yeah, and Randall. Then sure, but. If it's D'Lo and a guy like Claxton, for sure I'd rather Clax. You know those two. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, you, so I mean, are, are you considering like you don't even like Randall as much as me? And You're considering you would give up D'Lo for Randall? I, you know, well, first of all, no, because
0: the contracts are not the same. So I would not, I would not consider either of those deals if they went past this current season. So. As it stands, no. If they had the same contract, if it was a one-year deal, and I got to see what this team looked like with more of an investment in the power forward spot, and my two options were Tobias Harris and Julius
1: Randle. Well, let me, let me add this yeah. wrinkle that you always add when I talk yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, Go for it. I love these wrinkles. Which is D'Lo in the max, because that's what you keep throwing in on me whenever I say I'm not trading D'Lo. You're yeah. like, you're going to keep D'Lo at the max or over player x well that's a different question than when dilo now letting him expire or trading him at the deadline
0: or so so the the new hypothetical is signing dilo to a max extension or trading him for one of these two guys
1: yeah i would trade him oh yeah see i still would keep because well
0: i mean and honestly for me then the differentiator is that those two contracts
1: are shorter Tobias Harris I get would it. only have I get two I years. I mean, and, like, you're, you're hyper-focused on the contract.
0: I absolutely am. I'm always going to be focused on the contracts.
1: You are. To the point where you'll trade value now just to have a cap space down the road for an imaginary I signing. I don't think
0: d is taking like I don't think either of these players are taking us where we need to go. So if they can just, whatever one is the better tool, the better asset for eventually making that the deal that hopefully Tim Connolly identifies that I haven't yet, I want that player.
1: I agree with that. I just think Delo's the better tool to get that next player than either of those guys are. Like a guard's always going to be more valuable in today's NBA than a power forward, particularly one like in Randall's case, who's got some motivational issues. Like he's not always motivated. Tobias's case, he's just not very good. I just, I think Delo, even on a downside, like it's weird. Delo's weird because around the league, like fans of other teams like him better than fans of the teams he's on that's always been the case for him yeah outside of maybe Brooklyn maybe Brooklyn fans like them because I mean they were in all he was an all-star they were in the playoffs mm-hmm. with him as one of the main guys but I think Golden State was always sour on him sour on him yep um you know it's it's the just, la it's definitely an, didn't like him yeah la didn't like him it's it's weird with him because you know it's like I you know I have friends in Dallas they would love him with Luca
0: mm-hmm.
1: like it's weird you know um.
0: so I don't know it's yeah I mean ultimately if those are my if my my options those three
1: players I'd rather just I think I not I have would, any of them I think yeah well that my point is less again about D'Lo I'm defending D'Lo to you because it's you're sort of on the yeah, attack yeah. on Dilo. but to me the, the actual the real answer is I'd rather hold out because I think the options will be better for Dilo than either Randall or Harris yeah, I, I would rather hold
0: out than trade for either of them on the realistic current contracts they all have. Because next year, like I said, either you sign D'Lo to a better a better number, more commensurate with his talent, or you just let him walk and you've got that cap space next year. And whether or not that turns into a max player, whether it's signing or trade, or you just identify two or three guys that at the 20 million mark, 15 million mark, 10 million mark, or whatever, that are exactly what you need and you get them over the mid-level... Like, I'd be fine with that, too, spreading that number around. I just, I don't want, I don't want a role player at $30 I just, and that's what D'Lo has turned into. And we've talked about that before. His his fit isn't the same on this team as as it was, you know, when we acquired him. The need for him isn't the same. And he's not a perfect fit by any means. So, I'd rather... It's not,
1: but I think the bigger impact of his... Fit has been Beverly than it has been to anybody else, and I don't think Beverly's long for the tooth here just because of his age, yeah, and the way he he plays. I, I mean, I think Beverly's likely to miss more games next year than he did, did this year, mm-hmm. and more games the year after than he did, does next year. So I just, I think it, I think that position is going to be incredibly crucial to have a guy that can play, and and on, not that Delo's Mister Ironman. I mean, he misses a lot of games too, but yeah, um, I just. I'm also not a fan of selling low. I mean, that's what we did with Wiggins. And, you now here we are.
0: Here we are. <laughs> All right, one team left in the Atlantic Division. We have Boston, um, a team that's still playing, a team that very well could be in the NBA Finals uh, by the time this this episode even publishes. Uh, they've got the, their games coming up. And uh, they've got Marcus Smart. They've got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, Robert Williams. Uh, on the bench, they got Grant Williams, who's, who's made a name for himself in these playoffs. He's, his value is definitely higher than it used to be. Um, a bunch of prospects like Aaron Nesmith, Peyton Pritchard. They just traded for Derek White, brought in Daniel Tice again as a backup center. So you wouldn't necessarily look at their roster and say, this is something that needs to change. This is something that needs an update. Um, the only problem, and this is going to depend on whether or not they're willing to spend, and that's a, usually the same conversation with every team, is but they're going to be over the luxury tax unless they get rid of Al Horford. And they could do that simply by just declining his player or his team option for this upcoming year. They'd save about $10 million and they'd be under the luxury tax. Um, But if we're looking at guys that could, you know, we've talked before about how did the Timberwolves find their Chris Paul, you know, the same way that Phoenix did. Horford is longer in the tooth than Chris Paul was before he got back to Boston when he was spending time in Philly. And OKC, I don't think anybody would have ever said that he's worth, you know, his current contract anymore. But um, but he's a guy that has a relationship with cat. He'd be a, a really great fit at that, that, you know, as a veteran coming in, especially at that power forward spot, kind of the open opening that we have. So, um, if I'm going to do any in- interesting deep dive or trying to problem solving, it's going to be in a way to see if we can figure out a way to, to let them trade Horford and still save the money they need to trade rather than just cutting him out. Um, so I don't know if, if Horford at his age has any interest to you, um, as, you know, probably only for one more year coming in and, and filling that hole, or if you think we'd be better off going another direction, but uh, thoughts on that.
1: Well, I love Horford. And I think he's been huge in the playoffs this year. Like the games that the Boston have won mm-hmm. has been largely because Horford was hugely impactful in those games. That being said, I'm going to pull a Derek and say, not at that salary. <laughs> like he makes almost as much as DLO and it's, been more of a role player over the course of 82 games. He's had a good playoff run, but over the course of the season, he hasn't been the same level of player that he has been in the play. Like he's the reverse of d I think. So um, I get it would be for one year. Again, I don't think Boston's letting him go because they're not in the Eastern conference finals without him. Yeah. I don't think um, they're not on the precipice of the finals without him. I don't think. Um, and so I think they do, you know, to your point, maybe they decline it and they get a, a, a new deal. Work, who knows how they work it out. But sometimes you just eat a salary of a $27 million a, play, a year player for however long it's going to last just because you have a good thing going and you want to continue to build on it. So that might be what they do. Like, um, they don't really have, they have Jalen Brown taken care of. They have Tatum taken care of. That's all that really matters. On, and they have Marcus smart taken care of. Those, th- those three guys are taken care of, so you can afford a uploaded contract in Al Horford if it means you're going to be contending, and I think that's, yeah, you know, what they do. They also have a ton of young players that I love. I like Neesmith. I like Pritchard. Um, I think those guys are both really good. I, you know, White, I like. Um, he's not as young as those guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, but they have, like, they know they've they've drafted really well. They don't draft superstars all the time. Yep. You know, I think Tatum is clearly a superstar. I think Jalen Brown's borderline superstar, really, really good. Um, but you know, Marcus Smart, super impactful, long term player for them that that they were able to draft. So they're they're just a smart run organization, even with the change. I mean, it's not even the same regime, and it's seem to have improved yeah Stevens has done a good job there and like you I'd be absolutely shocked
0: if they let Horford go with what he's done for them and how he's rounded out their roster this year um if if they do decide they have to move off of him, you're, you're gonna love this because I came up with a non
1: delo trade for him well I'm not even opposed to trading Delo. I just yeah for Horford I mean even like I'll, I'll before you tell me the trade mm-hmm. I will say I would trade Delo for Horford before I would trade him for Randall or Harris
0: I, I'd say I would do the same thing, but that's strictly because of contracts. But, but okay. So, so here's what I got I have Horford, Tice, and Nismith for Beasley, Beverly, and Nas. It's,
1: yeah. I mean, I would circulating, do it. I don't. Circulating. I would do it. I don't know. I'm trying to think of it yeah. from their perspective. Right. What does Beverly get them that they don't already have? Um, he doesn't replace Horford. <laughs> no, they, I mean, um, they don't, Nas get... would be interesting for them because they don't really have a big man that has the skills that Nas has. Like yeah. he would be a good complement to the big men They have, um, he, I he guess re-
0: he'd replace Tice in their lineup, which I think would be an equitable trade. Um, especially with how much Nas makes, he would fit in really well there. They and they should... can
1: hide him on defense because they have
0: yep. everybody else on that team is a defender. Um, so Beasley replaces, Neesmith as what was supposed to be their, their knockdown shooter off the bench. You know, I, I think he'd fill that role really well, especially with Tatum and Brown as the other wings. Um, and Beverly is just kind of whenever you bring Marcus Smart off the floor, you bring in Patrick Beverly. And uh, you know, I, I I'm not saying it makes a ton of sense for them unless they are they have decided that it's either trade Al Horford or cut Al Horford. If they're mm-hmm. just trying to duck the tax, then it could be an option. But but once again, this is going to be depend on another team valuing money over over success which you know helped the timberwolves when the the nuggets let Connolly go so
1: fingers crossed maybe they could do it again well and, and i mean i could see horford being a guy Connolly be interested in because he it's kind of like the sap move he made in denver yeah um you know so he i could see him going after a veteran big to help his you know premier big man which is what he'll be doing here just like he did with Jokic in denver but um yeah i just I think prying him away from Boston's gonna be the hard thing because, like, not only that, the fans I think would riot at this point. It he's would be, tough. be that would be really tough. Yeah, he's you know they've done this a couple times. Like they traded Tyson and they had to go and get him back, <laughs> and and he was a fan favorite as well. You know, like it's Marcus Smart. There was rumors that they were talking about trading him, and the fans were like throwing a hissy on mm-hmm. Twitter and stuff, then just over rumors. So uh, there are certain guys in Boston you just can't move. Um, And they're a fan base that I think probably overvalues their own players, like many fan bases do, but them more than maybe anyone. Um, But for good reason in their case, like they're really good; they're the best all-around team in the playoffs, I think. Yeah, they're. I would pick them. I mean, if if they have been eliminated by the time this
0: episode's published, I I apologize. But at this point, with knowing what I know in, in these playoffs, I would pick them to win the
1: championship. Yeah, I mean, it'll be an interesting matchup, assuming that it's the Warriors too, um, Because it's like, the matchups are really intriguing to me, like the way that those teams match up. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, the unfortunate thing in the West is that Luka doesn't have, if Luka had one of the teammates that Steph Curry had, yeah. it'd be a completely different series. But part of the reason why Steph Curry has the teammates he has is because Steph Curry made them so much better because of the gravity he attracts himself. And those guys were able to develop together over all these years. And he is a unselfish superstar in a way that not many superstars are. Um, So I don't know that those guys would be as good with Luca as they are with Steph either. It's, it's a weird. Yeah. Player development doesn't
0: happen in a vacuum. You can't look at what happened on one team and assume it would happen the same somewhere else. The the same conversation we've had about Andrew Wiggins. You can't look at how he's doing in Golden State and, and know that he would have done the same thing for Minnesota or that he even would have had the opportunity if they had given him every, every, Asset at their disposal, which, to be fair, they did for many years. So, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I think Wiggins' case. You know, we touch on two episodes gone to It's just, you know, I don't think it's that different than what he was here anyway. He's had a couple good games. I think the the one difference that he's been markedly better is on defense. Mm-hmm. But he has he had those moments here too where he had. So, like, it's it's different in a series because now he has like a guy he can focus on and be yeah like challenged to defend. Um, so that is a, uh, the, maybe we would have saw that in the Memphis. I don't know who he would if, if Bane would have been the guy he would have been on, for example. Um, so I, you know, but like he's had games where he didn't explode either for points, you know. Like yeah. Game four that they lost, like he like he was a world beater in that game. Well, we can we can rant on Wiggins, we can rant on
0: Delo some more. We can disagree about how much contracts matter, but I think we've reached the end of our rope here. We finished the Eastern Conference, which means we uh, get to come a little bit more closer to home with the Western Conference. We'll start off that in our next episode. But uh, thanks for joining us here on Howl History. We appreciate it. We've been having a lot of fun getting back into it, getting some of these episodes out during the playoffs. And just uh, taking a look at where the Timberwolves might go from here with uh, Tim Conley in charge. So, Chad, thanks for joining me. Hey, have a good night, man. All right. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Later. Bye.